guys, welcome, welcome for joining us. I think J-Po just hopped on. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. How you doing today? Uh, not bad, not bad. Glad it's near the weekend. Feeling good. It's still, it's the gloomiest it's been out right now, but we the draft's done, man. I feel like as a, as a, as a nation, as the United States of America, we just jumped over the hump. <laughs> we, can, we can literally talk about the NFL draft for the next year if we had to. Hopefully it won't come to that. Hey, man, you know what? I'm just happy that it came. I'm glad to be digging deep into all this stuff, you know, sitting around in the house with the COVID, you know, kind of gave us something to look forward to. But yeah, yeah. the uh, weather's gloomy here too, man. The weather is for sure gloomy. Not a good day. Not a good day. That's for sure. So what's going on today, buddy? Well, welcome everybody to episode three of Big Black and the Fat. Thank you so much for cho- uh, for choosing us and tuning in here. We have a great uh, post-draft episode. We're going to have a couple more of these coming on the pipeline, but we've got some great questions that uh, we're going to kind of talk about, uh, really digging into some of the winners and losers. We're going to talk about some sleeper picks, best landing spots. we got some good stuff going on right now, and I'm excited to get it started, man. So we're just going to hop right into it again. Give us that follow back on Twitter. It is all caps. B-B-A-N-D-T-F. That's Big Black and the Fat. B-B-A-N-D-T-F on our Twitter page. We're also working on a uh, a website that we're going to have up and running, kind of like a mini site to be able to have a few uh, blogs up there, a few, uh, a few different things that you guys will be able to check out. Yeah, like J- JC said, we have a few things coming down the pipeline here. We uh, we wanted to get our post-draft rankings up, but we're going to kind of wait on that. So we're going to throw this episode in here, and hopefully you guys like it. Follow us on Twitter, like JC said. Follow us on our Sleeper channel if you play yes. your fantasy football through the Sleeper app. It's just Big Black in the Fat. You can search for, for it on the Sleeper channels. And that's what I got, man. So let's hop into this. Do you want to start this? You want me to start this? Where do you yeah, want to go? I'll, uh, I'll throw the question out. I'll have you start. So uh, first question for our, our third episode today is what draft pick and landing spot surprised you the most? And this could be a good surprise, a bad surprise. But what draft pick uh, from this year's draft and landing spot surprised you the most? I mean, honestly, you know what? I hate to play the mainstream attack on this because I kind of like to focus on the guys where we're really not focused on, but honestly, it's going to have to be Deandre Swift to the Lions. Interesting. Um, Right. So, and I say that for this reason, I don't know what Matt Patricia is going to do there. I mean, we could see the good, the bad, the ugly for Deandre Swift's career down there in, in, uh, in Detroit. Um, I, I think at best for him, you know, I don't wish bad things upon carry on Johnson by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't. Wish- our, I have him in one of our leagues, so I need him right, to right. for me this year, dang it. <laughs> right. And I don't wish bad things for him, but if his health continues the way it's been, I think that's going to be the best path for Swift. If Carryon Johnson stays healthy and plays at the ability like I think he's able to play and like a lot of people thought he was able to uh, play, worst case scenario for DeAndre Swift is he becomes a 50-50 timeshare and becomes the next James White, man. I, I, I don't know. That's just how I'm seeing it. I was kind of surprised. Honestly, that was my biggest surprise was when I, I was sitting there, I was eating some buffalo chicken dip, and <laughs> I seen the Detroit Lions take DeAndre Swift. I said, okay, well, there that is. <laughs> well, there that what, is. <laughs> what do you think, man? 
Uh, so I just looked up carry on Johnson real quick. And we know that Johnson hasn't had the best couple of years in the league, but the kid's only 22 years old. He's only 20 yeah, he years is. old. He's a baby in this league. And then you draft Swift. Do you, do you feel that? I have two questions for you. A, do you okay. feel that Swift will sooner or later just take over this backfield because that's who got drafted by Patricia? And if so, do you feel that Johnson would then get traded? And then what team would Johnson land on if he got traded? So, all right, let me answer this kind of in pieces <laughs> here. Uh, um, knowing what Detroit has done as a franchise with their running backs, I <laughs> I don't I don't see it looking promising for him. But with that and then in the other hand, Matt Patricia coming from a Bill Belichick system, granted he was a defensive or was he a D coordinator or was he an O coordinator? He was D there, right? He right. was defense. Yeah, he was D coordinator. Right. So I don't know if he's going to take the Belichick philosophy of you have situational roles for situational schemes, for situational times, for situational games. And as you all know, or may not know, this is how I feel personally. My problem with Patriots players and fantasy is, is Bill Belichick, as great as a mind as he is, he's going to scheme per team. So you never know what player's ever going to get the ball. I don't know if that approach Patricia is going to take. What is this, his third season in Detroit? Third, I I think, right? I would say it's his third season, yeah. Third season. So it's really up in the air on how he's going to coach this team. We didn't have Stafford for, I think, half the season or maybe a little bit more than half the season last year. So it's kind of hard to see how he's going to coach this team. So I honestly have no idea what is – in store for DeAndre Swift. Like I said, I think it's all going to buy on the health of carry on Johnson or how they feel about him in the end of his uh, contract. Now, if they were to go with Swift as a three down back in Detroit and say, carry on, you're gone, but buddy, where would he go? Well, let's say, let's say we're looking at, let's give it uh, best case scenario for people that draft DeAndre Swift next year. And uh, you know, uh, next season, not this one, but the previous one. So twenty or the following one, twenty twenty one. Gotcha. Um, that's really hard to say because all of the teams that really needed a back took one. I will say this: if Keyshawn Vaughn maybe does not produce in Tampa, mm. and if Kerry Johnson stays healthy and puts starts to put together somewhat of a career, maybe I could see that because what's Tampa looking at here. You got Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski. What you're gonna tr- you're gonna try to get a year or two out yeah, of these give guys? Or take, give or take. Right. So that's how how I feel there. How do you feel about it, man? I think that's really interesting. I definitely see in the long run, uh, Swift not taking a three down approach, and this is why I think everyone's forgetting how Swift, in my opinion, doesn't have that body type that you're really looking for for a full-time back. Mm-hmm. So if I look up his stats right now, uh, let me just mm-hmm. see it real quick. Stats. I think he's what, five? Let's see here. Of course, I can't find now. I think he's what? He's like five. Now you go five, nine, two, fifteen. I, five, yeah, nine, I think he's like five, nine, yeah. Those are those are good stats, but in my opinion, I think he's a light 215. He's not a bruising 215. Like, if you look at someone like Lev Bell, I'm pretty sure Lev Bell weighs less than uh than DeAndre Swift and I'm pretty sure that he 
seems he's six one two twenty five. Okay, fair enough. Extra ten pounds. I just don't see him turning into a three down back. I see him, like you said, being more of a James White, a Theo Riddick to a, to the carrying on Johnson. Where Theo, he, he did he did pretty good there. He didn't have you know every season wasn't explosive, but he had some pretty good fancy value as an RB two, especially in PPR leagues. I can see him being used that way. I feel if they do that, Johnson will stay and he'll still be a bruising back. Now, if he was to get traded, I say uh, the Bucks were one, the Patriots were another, and the Steelers were the third, in my opinion. And this is why I, okay. say, this is why I say those teams. I could technically see on Johnson getting the old Kenyon Drake treatment. <laughs> there you <laughs> the go. Kenyon- there you- now, for everybody that hasn't – it's been under a rock for the last few seasons. You saw what happened with Kenyon Drake. Or, I'm sorry, Kenyon Drake combined names. Kenyon Drake. <laughs> that, that's their kid's name. So you saw what happened with Kenyon Drake. And the thing is, one of three things happened to you. You either owned Kenyon Drake in the Dynasty League and kept him, <clears throat> myself. You either traded for him before this whole thing happened. I'd say four things. You either traded for him before this, this whole thing happened with the Cardinals, traded for him after, or you somehow got him off of waivers because you just had the luck of the Irish on you. Either way, I could see that happening. The Dolphins slowly pulled away his minutes, slowly put him in a timeshare, slowly tried to edge him out, and he just overperformed. Do you remember that Patriots game? He won them yeah. the game off a ridiculous play. And there was more than one ridiculous play that season that I guarantee you the cards were like, you know what? We should get this guy because he's got the potential and the talent. So I can see the same thing out with Johnson. He has a bounce back third year when most backs do. They get him a trade. They get him sent somewhere else, and he produces. So that's my take on that. But uh, we'll keep the conversation yeah. going here. All right. You know what? I just want to touch on a final thing there. Yeah, sure, sure. So another bad thing for Swift is, is we have to remember, and granted, whether – Whatever his production was last year, Bo Scarborough is still there too. So at worst for Swift, I mean, you could see this becoming like a Patriots committee where you got like Scarborough playing the LeGarrette Blunt role while Johnson and Swift alternate as a, you know, as like a type of a scat. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that situation, I don't know about, buddy. I do not know. But steal of the draft, man. Who do you got? Steal of the draft. I'm not going to lie to you. I left this question blank because I'm just going to come off the top with it because I – I'm going to let you say it because I don't know if I have a steal. So I'm going to let you fire away. All right. I'm going I'm to hop back up to question one really quick, but I'll keep it short. All right. Sorry. We spent a lot of time on that on the first one. But that was good. That was good. Jalen Hurts was my draft pick with the most surprising landing Oh, spot. yeah, yeah. I know mm-hmm. that's your Eagles. I won't spend too uh-huh. much time on it. We might just have to have a show just off of surprise picks. But the biggest yeah. thing that I have to say about Jalen Hurts is everyone's already comparing him to Taysom Hill, and I think that is terrible. That's a, there's a terrible position for him to be placed in because Taysom Hill isn't that good. I'll be the first one yeah. to say it. He's in a great team. If you put Taysom Hill in that same type of position with a team like the Jags, the Colts, uh, the Vikings, he doesn't eat. And just because he's with the Saints and the Saints have so many weapons, he turned into a quote-unquote weapon. He's not that great. Jalen Hurts is an all-pro quarterback. It might have to be for a couple years before we figure out what he's really worth, but I still see him sooner or later leading that Eagles backfield. I don't know what happens with, uh, with Carson, but with Jalen Hurts there, and that was very surprising, I just don't see him falling apart of his quarterback main role and being something like a Taysom Hill. Yeah, so you know what? I want to touch 
on that too, and we may just yeah, have yeah. to stay here a sec. Um, <laughs> no problem. Because because it, th- this is the second time now I've jumped the gun and left you without <laughs> saying your piece. We were excited. Um, we got topics to talk uh, about. <laughs> all right. Jalen Hurts. Okay, this is how I feel about it. And a lot of people have asked me about this being an Eagles fan and how I felt about it. Did I expect that pick to be Denzel Mims? I did because I truly expected the Eagles to go back to back. But I like what they did later on with their wide receivers. But that's for another show. I think Jonathan Hightower's got some great speed. But Jalen Hurts, this is what I do know. The Eagles put out the PR line that they're okay with Carson Wentz's health. They're not that concerned. I think it's a lie. The Eagles, Doug Peterson was a career backup. They value the position. They've been through two playoff. They've been through two postseasons now with backup quarterback. Uh, I see you're Granted, going with this. I see you're going with one, this. this good. One won them a Super Bowl. The other one did nothing. That's nothing against Josh McCown. That's nothing against him. All right. <laughs> But with that being said, Jalen Hurts, if you give him a year or two, the Eagles are only obligated. And I'm a Carson Wentz truther, so I'm not going to get on here and say (laughs) bad things about this man. I think he's cerebral and he plays the game well. I think his health is an issue. This kid's had injuries problems going back to his senior year in college, okay? If Mm. Jalen Hurts develops – how Doug Peterson can at a second round pick and develop this quarterback in this day and age in this type of football. I think the Eagle, I think the Eagles said, listen, we're on the we got Wentz for a good deal. We signed him before Goff and all of them signed all their big contracts. They got him four years, a hundred million or something. They're only on the hook till 2022. You mm-hmm. develop her a year or two and you look at you know Carson still kind of has these problems then you can go, well, we got Jalen Hurts waiting in the wing. So I I actually wound up liking the pick in the end after I seen the uh, whole draft, man. I definitely agree with everything you just said. Nick Foles, I just completely forgot, which unfortunately some people might have forgot. He won the Oh, no! I'm not a Philly homer over there from South Jersey. My whole family loves the Eagles. But like as a as a you know standard NFL fantasy football fan, I'm saying I'm like yeah, Foles, like not to say Foles, I forgot Foles won the Super Bowl, but Foles was the backup. They bought him mm-hmm. there for a reason. They paid him good mm-hmm. money, and he won the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Wentz is not the most durable guy. We've seen that. So having mm-hmm. someone like Hurst, who's so dynamic, could technically push them and make them have to win some games with Hurts. I think that makes perfect sense. And then you don't know if they make the playoffs. What happens then in a couple of years? It could be the starter. Right, right, right. And like you said, the Taysom Hill comparison is completely garbage. I hate it too. Let's go on to let's go on to question two. Steal of the draft. Who you got, man? Steal of the draft. This is my guy that I am. I I don't even want to say it because he is that <laughs> much of a steal that I hope I hope people are paying attention to him. Okay, my my guy who is just consistently getting big black seals of approvals. Is is Mr. He's he's a grown man, Mr. Joshua Kelly to the San Diego Chargers. He Mm -hmm. is my steal of the draft. I will Mm -hmm. tell you why. Joshua Kelly, 5'11, 220. He Mm -hmm. looks like a three-down running back. He plays like a three-down running back, 
and he's going to produce like a three-down running back. And I believe they got him for a lot of reasons. But you got to really think about this, and I want people to really, uh, really listen to this. When teams draft a quarterback and then draft a wide receiver or running back with them, it's not by coincidence. They want to get these guys, or tight end, they want to get these guys that are going to produce alongside their rookie counterpart. So when they draft a rookie running back or draft a younger receiver or tight end with their quarterback, they want them to build. I'm not, we're not going to get into this right now, but Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon, perfect example. So I feel like you're not going to draft a guy like Herbert, who isn't the type of just standard catchback or PPR back, who's not a big old fullback guy. He's got those stats, 5'11", 220. Those are running back number one RB1 stats. And then you look at the guys in front of him. Justin Jackson, he's a jag. Just another guy. I don't even know he's still on the roster. He's just going to sit there and watch his spot just get completely taken over by Kelly. Number two, Austin Eckler, who, don't get me wrong, fancy darling. I think the guy's great. I'm glad he got his money. Props to my boy. I think that him being in a position to finally show what he's worth was great. But he's 5'10", 200 pounds. He's not, mm-hmm. in my opinion, going to be able to carry a whole offense, a whole running back scheme on his back. And I think that's the biggest thing because what we have to look at too is some of his past injuries. He's had groin injuries. He's had neck injuries slash concussion injuries. The guy's not that durable. I get why they paid him because he would have been an open market and someone would have took him. But I guarantee you by the end of this season, Kelly will own that backfield with Eckler in almost a Justin Jackson role, backing him up, still being that PPR guy. We also got to remember Tyrod Taylor doesn't throw to his backs a lot. He never really did. He's more of a downfield kind of eye formation, single back, take the ball, run it up the gut, and let me move my feet. So I could see Kelly sitting there and saying, hey, listen, I'm that type of guy. He's going to get those goal line touches. Eckler's not that durable, and I think he's going to leapfrog this, uh, this depth chart very quickly this season. Hey, man, you know what? I like it. And I, this is so I stated this. I said, I left this question blank, and it was for this reason. <laughs> I was going to pick Joshua Kelly. Oh, my gosh. But I figured you would too. Yes. I because that is our guy. And then I started to feel like, man, if people, the people listening to these are going to think that we are just like honed in, but we did a lot of work prior to this, that we're just honed in on a certain set of guys. But you know what? I, I am going to fully agree with everything JC said. Okay. Joshua Kelly underrated we've already said he was a two-star athlete coming out of high school he went to some juco college called chip kelly at ucla the story goes every day trying to walk on there finally walked on and did nothing but produce a good kid with no character concerns he's i think he's twitchier than what most people say is he gets north and south quick he's elusive he's a big guy he looks for contact and yes austin eckler is only signed through 2024 justin jackson 2022 but like you said he's a jag guy and he's just another guy he's just another guy exactly jc joshua kelly will come in and he will take over that backfield he will take over that backfield. So, I mean, if you say by mid to late season, even by next year, beginning of next year, Joshua Kelly will establish his self that, and he could definitely be one of the, he's probably the steal of the NFL draft, and he could be the steal of your fantasy league draft. But I want to touch on, 
on something here. So I kind of went a little bit of a route here that I kind of had to go back and look into because after I seen the draft pick, I questioned it and all that stuff. But I'm going to go with A.J. Dillon. Interesting. Interesting. Right, right, right. So I'm going to go with A.J. Dillon. And let me – hold on. Let me get into my – JC's trying to get me to um, move up in the world and quit writing stuff down on pen and paper here. So now i got to yeah. flip through my computer and see where There we I... go. So, yeah, if you guys don't know, post-super old school, J post-super old school, me, I've got my iPad Pro, my work iPad, and my iPhone circled around me like I'm in a freaking huddle, typing up notes. <laughs> i got the podcast going, split with the note screen, split with my Twitter. I'm looking at our feed right now. So, yeah, oh. I appreciate the laptop, man. Dude, you got it going on. I am like college rolled in a black pen, man. That's what I'm rolling with. All right. Oh, so, I know that Dylan, he was very underrated coming out. Um, there was a lot of concerns going on with his uh, how much workload he's seen in college and, and all that stuff. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are both in the final years of their contracts. Green Bay's done nothing to extend Aaron Jones, or at least I haven't heard of talks. I don't know nothing. what's happened there. Um, I could see Dylan for sure cutting into Williams's role this year, especially in the red zone. And if Aaron Jones gets hurt, and AJ Dylan comes in for three, four games, game over. The Packers could say, eh, well, you know what? I mean, they're obviously looking to rebuild without telling Aaron Rodgers by their draft picks. <laughs> yeah. So they could say, you know what? Instead of sinking this money into Aaron Jones, who did have a good year last year, I'm not going to, what, is it first or second in the league in touchdowns? Uh, I, yeah, I, believe, I believe first. So I think that um, A.J. Dillon could for sure um, – maybe take a, uh, the, the next step up if he's given the right opportunity and the situation presents itself correctly. So I will leave that there. Question blank. I just, I knew you were going to go Kelly, but I wanted to too. I think that's, uh, that's hilarious too. But yeah, uh, really quick on Aaron Jones. Uh, yeah, he's in his final year of his contract and get this. This final year, 2020, uh, the cap hit or dead cap money that the Packers would have to leave on the table is the lowest out of all four years. And I'm sorry, let me say it again. The dead cap money that the Packers would have to leave on the table is the lowest. So that's good for the organization if you look at it that way. And the cap hit they take is the highest this year to keep Aaron Jones. So think about that for a second because, again, there's so much of an offseason left, a lot of trades, a lot of release that could happen. If they let go of them, it could be something. It could be freeing them up, and then A.J. Dillon can just walk right into that. All right, so. Up next, uh, we got – this is a two-parter here. Uh, biggest loser and winner from the draft. So we're going to pick two teams. Uh, Paul, I'll have you go first. We want to pick the biggest winner, which team was the biggest winner from the draft and which team was the biggest loser. And kind of just go over that and kind of see what, uh, what we're thinking here, man. All right. So um, biggest w winner, I'm not going to lie, we don't have to talk about all of them, but I threw down yeah. four of them. Uh, okay. We can talk about whichever uh, Arizona, Cleveland. I hate to admit it, Dallas and Denver <laughs> for my winners. Uh, my biggest losers, though, um, I know what I just said about A.J. Dillon, but I'm still going to go with the Packers, though. I know that kind of seems odd, but I don't know what they're doing there. That's why 
had I, like I previously stated, I don't, are the Packers rebuilding? That's the only thing I can think of. Um, but that, I'm going to go with the Packers, um, asterisk A.J. Dillon. That's what I'm going with there. <laughs> asterisk A.J. Dillon. Fair enough, fair enough. So I'll have you uh, touch on your top and you're and your losing your winner real quick. I'll tell you mine. So this was a – it was going back and forth. I wanted to kind of pick something that was a little bit off the radar because biggest winner, that's kind of – you can usually point them out. But I'm going to say, like, my biggest winner, but also almost like an asterisk too, like an under, underwritten biggest winner – the Indianapolis Colts. They did I win, think, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they did phenomenal. They didn't do anything crazy. They didn't do anything off the top. But think about their picks. They got Jonathan Taylor and they got Michael Pittman. So they already sealed their offense up with getting their future running back and then mm-hmm. their future wide receiver. They have mm-hmm. Philip Rivers, who, in my opinion, I think is going to stay another year, to lead mm-hmm. this offense with two mm-hmm. phenomenal rookies. Then they came back, grabbed the safety, helped the defense. Then they came grabbed back and got my boy, who I am hoping is on the draft board of one of my leagues, Jacob Eason, who I thought the Steelers should have drafted. Oh, yes. hold on, hold on, yes. hold on, hold on, yes. hold, hold, hold on, because <laughs> now, we're, now we're parlaying into question four. Now we're oh parlaying into question four. But stay, up, stay on three, though. Okay, so Jacob Eason, I got a really good QB sleeper for you and four for myself. But Jacob Eason is a very, very, very underrated player. I don't know why people keep thinking that he doesn't have the, the, the smarts to do it. He's got the canning. He's got the build. What is he? I think he's 6'5", 6'6". That would be close to 230, 240, something like that. He reminds me of Ben Roethlisberger, which is why I thought the Steelers were going to draft him. Don't even get me started on the Steelers. I'm glad I'm not a homer. Go Raiders. But they have their backup. <laughs> quarterback for X amount of years. Brissett's there, but Brissett, just like Jackson, he's a jack. He does great, stings sometimes, but he's just there. So now they have Eason learning from another big fan and quarterback in Rivers, and then they got a couple defensive tackle and offensive linemen. So, but to look at their real big picks, that's my winner. My loser are the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yup, I'll say it right now, because you're going to sit here. I might get kicked out of Pittsburgh saying this. They already got me at the door, but you're telling me right now that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to sit here with what happened last year, with what happened last year when Ben went down and not draft, not even draft any quarterback. I'm talking about not. the sixth or seventh rounder. I'm talking about a guy you just want to take a flyer on. I'm talking about you picking up someone on free agency. Yeah, Dalton's out there and Cam's out there, but they're not going to pay them each big money. They don't do that. They get The last time they paid someone big free agency money was probably Michael Vick. He didn't turn out that great. So we're sitting here looking at Chase Claypool and Anthony McFarland. McFarland, McFarland's going to be buried in an already muddy, crowded backfield. You have James Conner, Jalen Samuels, Benny mm-hmm. Snell, some guy, uh, K. Wright, K.J. Wright. I don't even know the other guy. He got Kareth White. There you go. Kareth There's White. another guy behind White, I think, that got touches as well off the practice squad. There's so many people, and Tom wants bunnying this up. I don't know if it's because he misses Lev Bell and he wishes he still had him, but he's making it so not only can't you trust the back in there in fantasy football, but you don't know even who to pick. Anthony McFarlane comes in there. He could be a great uh, swing guy, great third down guy, but you don't even know he's going to get used. And then drafted, you know, good guard, good safety. But to not take a QB, they're my loser. Yeah. You know what? Um, I fully agree there. Uh, the Steelers, I, I gave them a C plus to B 
Uh, I think that they're hoping they can maybe get a year or two more out of Ben and take somebody next year. Um, I think they've seen McFarlane to be that Willie Parker style back. Um, uh, They run the right system there for him to excel. I think that McFarlane, as long as he is decisive with his gaps and he reads well, he should be fine. But yeah, you're right. I mean, the Steelers don't really know what they're thinking besides what I just said. Are, are, are they just trying to hope for next year's quarterback class? Yeah, that would be the, but yeah, without them addressing that, Man, I, I don't know what's going on, but you are for sure getting kicked out of Steeler Nation. You might, <laughs> I, yeah, I tell the truth. I tell the truth. <laughs> you might want to look out, but I want to touch on the uh, Cardinals. I gave the Cardinals an A plus. Isaiah Simmons shored up the wow. defense. Just wow. Josh Jones. Right, Josh Jones. They got to tackle out of Houston, which you know he's. There, there were questions. Third round pick, though. I think he's going to pan out and be fine. And I'm going to tell you this. I know you're big on your guy, Kenyon Drake. But I'm going to tell oh, you something. Man. And we're going to touch on this down here in this question four. But Eno Benjamin is an oh, underrated Eno Benjamin is an underrated talent. Um, that, that's all I'm going to say. Anyways, they also um, – Evan Weaver, they picked up Devondre Campbell. They they fixed that line. They fixed that defense. The Cardinals, I think, are on a fast track to doing great things, man. I think they're on a fast track to, to doing great things. All right, man, question four. Favorite quarterbacks, running backs, wide receiver, and tight end sleeper picks. I'm going to tell you all of mine, and okay. then you tell me all of yours, and then we'll right. kind of throw a little we'll debate kinda... If there is one to be had. All right. Quarterback. Now, these are sleeper picks. JC. JC ruined mine. Jacob (laughs) Eaton, Indianapolis, year or two behind Phillip Rivers. That offense, Frank Reich there. The Colts are headed in the right direction. That's just the truth. That's just the truth. Running back. (laughs) I already said it. Eno (laughs) Benjamin. Highly underrated. I have not seen the Cardinals do much in doing anything with Drake in contract talks. Um, I think Eno Benjamin is a highly underrated LaShawn McCoy. I'll throw that out there. Interesting. Um, I also like Darrington Evans, and I have Anthony McFarlane. We don't have to get into to them. Uh, wide receivers, Brian Edwards. I think that the Raiders got a good one there. Uh, LaVisca Chanel, I think that he was the flanker that Marquise Lee couldn't be in Jacksonville. And, of course, I'm coming back to it, everybody. I will draft this kid, even (laughs) though I own good tight ends in both my fantasy leagues. Adam Troutman for the North. Oh, my gosh, this guy. Will be on both of my fantasy (laughs) teams. JC, take it away, buddy. (laughs) Take it away, buddy. All right, so good picks there. So, okay, so let me pop mine up in here. So, start, start with uh, my quarterback. So, sleeper quarterback is Jake Luton, not Lutton. Jake okay. Luton mm-hmm. out of <laughs> like Oregon State. He is uh, he's on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the reason that I think he's going well, we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, the next one I have here is uh, my running back. For the Las Vegas Raiders, that is Mr. Lynn Bowden. I think he's going to do amazing things there. 
Mr. Lynn Bowden. Uh, for my wide receiver, I have Tyler Johnson, and he's okay. in the box. And the reason that I, – I, I don't want to get too deep into it, but he's going to be still. And then finally, for, for my tight end, I have a kid that not a lot of guys know about, Joshua DeGuara. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, come Come at me with that, man. Come at me with that, because I'm not gonna lie. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Well, he plays for the Green Bay Packers. Okay, not in Cincinnati. This is why. Okay. this is why I like this kid. Okay, I look. I look at the Packers as cleaning house, and I mean cleaning house. Stern. Well, I forget the guy's name. Jay Sternberger. I'm probably saying his, his name wrong. Jay Sternberger. Yeah, from yeah, uh, Texas A. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Mm-hmm. So he did absolutely nothing. I'll say it. Absolutely nothing in his position. He did nothing that year. They let go of Jimmy Graham. They need to have some type of depth in tight end. And the way it seems to me that they're drafting, they drafted this kid in the third round pretty good for a tight end, is they're drafting their quarterback of the future, which they did in the first. They're running back of the future. And now they're tight end of the future. So that's why I see my boy, keep your eye on him, Josiah Deguara. (laughs) Josiah Deguara. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, um, you know what? Uh, just to throw out, um, two, I kind of got two things I wanted to throw out, and we really don't have to talk about them. I know Hawaii quarterbacks never pan out, but Cole McDonald, the Tennessee, really intrigues me. Arm strength, mobility. Uh, he just intrigues me. Let's just say that much. I'm not going to say he's going to become a stud or a darling or a starter. I'm just saying he intrigues me. So okay. I want to put that out there for for, for uh, him. And then going back to the Cincinnati Bearcats, uh, Michael Warren the second uh, was actually picked up undrafted by the Eagles. Um, I, so I think Boston Scott. Uh, if you watch a lot of Michael Warren stuff, he lines up in the slot. He wind he lines up out wide. He lines up as like a. a I mean, he lines up everywhere, man. So I think that that could be he could be somebody to uh, watch too. Who do you got for your best landing spots for players, man? All right, so I got one here. Let me let me touch on Lim Bowden really quick because all my all right, yeah, for sure, for sure, really quick. Lim Bowden Jr. They changed him from his wide. He was a quarterback. They changed him. They thought they were going to go wide receiver, but the Raiders made him a running back. And I believe this is why. They are really going to work with having that complimentary back to Josh Jacobs. And this is me just talking out of turn. It's tough to say this, but I don't think Josh Jacobs can handle the full load of a season. I don't think he can. And I think him getting injured, his shoulder getting injured, him having those problems near the end of the year, not only made us kind of say, wow, who do we really have behind him? Because we brought back, I believe, Jalen Richard. But to really say, hey, we can grab a gadget player like Bowden, put him in next to next to uh, Jacobs on some plays, put him, flank him outside, PPR guy, to help kind of take the pressure off him. And Lynn Bowden is not a, uh, a small guy. Let me see what he's at. I know he's got to be close to 215, 220, 6'1", uh, 200 pounds. So we, yeah. we put him in the weight room. He gets to 210, 215. He's close to being a starting running back. So that's my take on him. I think he's going to have a great uh, great career in, the, in Oakland. So best yeah. landing spot. Oh, sorry about that. No, I'll, no, I was just going to say, yeah, he is a gadget guy. He can do it all. Uh, Kentucky, he did a lot of stuff. So, And he's a local guy here from uh, northeastern Ohio. So uh, got to give some love to him. You got to give go. some love. Landing spots, buddy. All right, so this is tough because I got I got so many on here that I think had yeah, a great landing spot. 
But yeah. I have to go. I got to go with my boy Chase Claypool for the Steelers, and okay. and this is why. I again, I'm not a Steelers homer, but when you look at their wide receiver group, Juju Smith Schuster, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, that is terrible. I know that they all kind of produced their own way. I understand they didn't really touch the quarterback situation, like you said, J. Poe. Maybe next year they're going to grab the QB they want. Um, Chase, is it Chase Fields? Um, I'm going to say Chase Fields is coming out next year. Am I right to say that? Uh, um. Well, uh, you got Trevor Lawrence is coming out, and all those guys. So yeah. So uh, could possibly be. him. Yeah. So anyway. Um, the biggest thing I like about Chase Claypool is they finally have a big, tall, strong receiver. They didn't have one of those guys. I mean, Mike Wallace wasn't even that big and tall and strong. Heinz Ward was strong but not that tall. So this guy is going into a situation where they already want him to start outside, where Juju now moves in the inside. Do you know why they want Juju moving the inside? Because he got his bell rung four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times last year. He got hurt. And we're not talking about guys trying to get him, you know, target him or anything like that. My boy just put the weight of that wide receiver crew on his back. He played in every position in and outside, and he just got cracked. And I think he's like, all right, so maybe I miss AB a little bit. So having yeah. Jay on the outside, having Juju move back in, and then probably having Deontay Johnson or James Washington, a mix of those two, is going to help out. I see them running a lot of two tight end positions with Ebron and Vance McDonald and Chase Claypool. Those are big targets for Ben because you know Ben's going to want to get that ball out soon, but you also know he's going to want to bomb some out. Claypool has track speed for a big guy. Again, we talked about on one of the episodes, he has the most, the, the, the most close measurables in the combine to Megatron that anyone's seen yet. So that already shows me that this kid's ready to ball. So that's, how, that's who I have. I'll be looking for him in all of my fantasy football leagues this year. All right, so um, just a kind of a um, a fact check here. I think you, I think you were t- talking about Justin Fields, right? There you go, Justin Fields from yeah, Ohio State, right? Right, yes. right, right. So you're gonna have Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. You'll have uh, Kevin Mon from A and M. So there not really a super strong class, but there are some guys, and depending on how the Steelers pan out, you know they could have a shot at one of those guys. So um, very true. But, very true. But my my spots here, and I'm going to say this. I know I, I always kind of go off skit because it's always hard for me to narrow one thing down. But I honestly think that the top three running backs in this draft could not have landed in better spots for their skill sets. Agreed, agreed. CEH to Kansas City, Taylor to the Colts, Dobbins to the Ravens. I mean, he may have to do a year behind Mark Ingram, but here's the facts. Like, all three of those guys, and this is coming from a guy that has the first two picks of a draft, (laughs) and I am really torn because I think Dobbins, I think, could – I could be a homer. I don't know. But I think in two years he could be a number – he could be the RB1 across all fantasy formats. CEH, uh, I will not go against what Andy Reid does. In 2009, Andy Reid passed on Chris Wells and on Sean Moreno to draft the kid by the name of LaShawn McCoy. How did that work go. out? Where's, where's Chris <laughs> Wells now and Sean Moreno? Where are they? I think B- – B- <laughs> B- 
Beanie's working the radio down in Columbus. I don't know where no Sean Moreno is, but you know, he drafted Brian Westbrook. I think Westbrook was a third round pick. Andy Reed calls him a better Brian Westbrook. It's hard for me yes. to go against Andy Reed. These guys all landed in the best spots they possibly could have landed. And that's what I'm working with there, man. That is what I'm working right. with. Fair enough. Yeah, those three have are definitely going to put up some numbers. I have a, a dark horse in that, and that's definitely Mister Mister Cam Akers. Uh, uh-huh. He's high on my he's high on my draft boards. I like Dobbins, but I think what you said was very poignant. If you're in a dynasty football league, you, you got to definitely grab some shares some shares of J.K. Dobbins. But I do believe he's going to have to really fight for those touches with Ingram, Gus Edwards, who people just keep. Gus Edwards is a definition of a jag. I know we're using that a lot, but he doesn't. He just never leaves. He just yeah, he's oh, yeah, choking yeah. in the people's time. And I bet he goes home and just laughs because he's getting his time. So he's gonna have to fight Gus Edwards. Um, he's gonna have to fight Ingram and and of course Lamar Jackson for some of those. Um, so he's running a touchdown. And, and Justice Hill's still there too. And Justice so. Hill's still there. Yeah. But like you said, if he waits it out, Dobbins will definitely be the guy. Yeah, I, I mean, is up there too. Yeah, I think that the athletic ability, I, I, I know he's always going to, if you look through Dominator rankings and all that, he's always going to be a little bit lower because he did not participate at the Combine due to injury. But his athletic profile of all the other guys, you got to give him a year, bar, you know, unless Ingram gets, gets hurt. You're going to have to give him a year. That is for sure. Um, and then uh, – the last thing that I kind of wanted to touch on too was Jonathan Taylor at Indianapolis. Jonathan okay, Ta- All right, yeah, 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 yeah. Just really quick, Jonathan Taylor at Indianapolis, I think is a great fit for that system and what they do in Phillip Rivers. I think you touched on it in a podcast. His hands are underrated. They are yes. un- no, he's not going to be lined up out wide. He's not going to be in it in the slot, but Jonathan Taylor can catch swing passes out of the backfield and his stats, his size, his athletic ability. It don't lie, bro. It does not lie. Um, <laughs> That's last very thing, true. That's very true. really quick, Cam Akers. I'm a big fan of him. Check him out. My cut the fat. I put a cut the fat on him. I love me some Cam Akers. My only problem with Cam Akers is, is Cam Akers is a gap runner the Rams run a lot of zone. He's going to have to learn to zone run. So uh, Sean McVay switched it up after Gurley got hurt last year. They went more gap because teams were kind of focusing in on that zone run and shutting it down because they didn't have Todd Gurley. But Daryl Henderson is also a gap runner. He's not a zone runner. I know everybody's going to say Henderson didn't do anything, but if they truly go heavy gap power duo – uh, I like Cam Akers. Don't oh. get me wrong. I like the call. He's JC Cribs. That is my boy, Jay Poe. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to us, guys. I think we had a great episode three. We talked about a lot of content, so please be sure to check out our third episode on our Twitter page. We'll be posting that up uh, hopefully in the next couple hours. Again, that's follow us at all caps, B-B-A-N-D-T-F on Twitter, as well as check us out on our Anchor page where you can listen to our podcast as well as listening to it on whatever web browsers you use. And we're Big Black and the Fat, and we're out. Thanks a lot, guys. As always, stay safe, stay humble, and take care. We'll see you next time. Thanks.